being happy in your mess and putting that out in the world can be inspiring. To make yourself vulnerable and share like all of your mess, right? But to share your joy in that can be inspiring to people in that they'll like go out the door like, yeah, like look how joyful they are. And I would like to be that too. This is Running For Real, the podcast for runners who know that for every runner's high, there are just as many lows. All those just missed PRs, easy runs that feel hard, injury blues, and more. Each week, we'll talk to running, health, and wellness experts about their highs, lows, and best advice to build our confidence. Running For Real is about being honest, being brave, and most of all, not feeling alone. And now here's our host, Tina Muir. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 176 of the Running For Real podcast. Thank you so much for being here. I am so thankful to you, my loyal listeners. And if you're a new listener, welcome to the show. I hope you are going to love this one and want to stick around for many more in the future. I have 175, although honestly, along the way, there was a few episodes that came out as bonus and I didn't get the numbers. So probably more like 180-ish. Uh, so you've got 180 episodes to go back and listen to, so get going. <laughs> um, all right, before I get on to today's episode, I want to tell you just a little bit about last week's episode, in case you missed it, which was with Hilary Allen. Hilary has such an amazing story. You know, she was setting herself up as one of the, the best trail runners in the country, uh, possibly in the world, and she had a fall, uh, fell over 150 feet, uh, easily could have died, um, but she, you know, survived. She she struggled through her recovery, but she was very vulnerable and open and honest about it. Um, and she managed to get herself back. And she's back running. She's back at the top. Just such an inspiring story. And um, I want to tell you guys a little secret. So you know how much I love Michael Gervais. In case that wasn't obvious, it's been about two weeks since I mentioned him, so it's about time. Um, I actually, Michael Gervais emailed me last week or a few weeks ago and I um I just I pitched her to him so we'll see if he brings her on his show because he seemed interested so if I make them connect on the podcast then maybe that's uh we've gone up a level in our in our best friend quest I'm really letting you see my dorkiness now if you are a new listener you probably think I'm crazy all right okay so anyway on to today we have a absolutely wonderful woman on the show I am so excited to have her here um Lisa Howard has a reputation for being one of the kindest hardest working resilient ultra runners out there and she's really fast um even as she's moved through her 40s she's not let that hold her back she's known for running up to wait for it 40 for zero miles on the treadmill, which just blows my mind. Is that even possible? She's been getting her ultra training in for many years while working full time and looking after her two kids. She has this kind of find a way attitude that's going to inspire you to to just love what you do and, and love the busyness of life. So I'm really excited to bring her on the show. And I just want to take a moment to thank our wonderful sponsors for this week. Uh, you can ultra and body health. We will be right to the episode. We're going to hear from one of those and then we'll be right to the episode. Thank you. Thank you to UCAN for supporting me and Running For Real. UCAN delivers steady, long-lasting energy for runners with no spikes, no crash. I've been using UCAN for several years now because it's a stable, stomach-friendly fuel for my running and my busy life. They had over 50 
US Olympic marathon trials qualifiers. They work with top running coaches and thousands of age group runners rely on UCAN for smarter energy to finish stronger. I've told you about this many times. I used it when I was an elite. It was my only source of fuel during my races. I also used it when I was running uh, in the masses um, at Boston, carried it in my pocket and just couldn't imagine life without it. I used it as my only source of fuel in Boston. Um, it has this just one of a kind energy. Just I don't ever find I have any crashes. I just feel like a steady release and I just really enjoy it. So I love the cranberry raspberry flavored powder. I also love the peanut butter chocolate bars. I have one of them every single day. It's the first thing I eat when I wake up and then I go for a run and I never have a stomach upset. Generation You Can, I absolutely love it. And you can actually get 25% off your first order with code TinaMuir25. Or you can also go to generationyoucan.com forward slash Tina Muir, and that will take you right there. You don't need to use the coupon code. I absolutely love Generation You Can. I'm so thankful for this company and what they've done to support me and so many other runners. And I hope you love it just as much as I do. Liza, thank you so much for joining me on the Running Field podcast. After hearing so many people talking about um, just your your heart, your your running ability, your your courage, your strength. Um, I'm really excited to have you on the show. So thank you so much for joining me today. It's really fun to talk to you, Tina. I, I mean, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Uh, <laughs> I run a lot alone. And so I discovered yours a little while back. And so it's really fun to, you know, talk to you in person. Yeah, no, or, I'm excited. You know, kind of in person. Yeah, yeah, as close as we can be for now. Um, so I, I want to begin by, uh, you know, one of the things that really stands out about you is, um, you know, you only started um, running ultras at uh, 35. Uh, you are definitely well into your master's years now. Um, but tell us about, you know, early running. You know, uh, many of my listeners think that once they get to a certain point, it can be difficult to, to be competitive in things or to kind of have any level of success. But you did have success. So I'd love to hear about early running and, you know, how did running come into into your life in this way? I'm checking, I'm smiling because you're like, one of the things that stands out is that you're old. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, um, I went to high school in Germany. My dad was in the army. And so there wasn't really any cross country or, or track there. Um, we did some rhythmic gymnastics in school. And so anyway, I didn't run during high school and, uh, and then so didn't run at all during college. Um, but then after college, I, decided that it would be a good thing to run a marathon. And so I cut out the little, um, marathon training plan from runner's world mm -hmm. and I, I did the beginner's level and, uh, that was just was, to like a life kind of check. Yeah. Check it thing. seems like, you know, yeah, <laughs> I should do it. I, my uh, boyfriend at the time was very fit and I thought that this would be an impressive thing. And so I did it. Um, and it was really fun and I did okay. You know, and I didn't know anything. And so then it, um, yeah. And so then I did, I fell in with a running crowd where I was living in Virginia beach. And so then did a lot of, a lot of that and had a lot of fun. Um, and then, um, moved, had kind of a mid course correction in life and, uh, started working for the national outdoor leadership school. So training folks to go into the back country for months at a time and, um, and that kind of stuff. And, uh, one of my buddies there said, you know, we should do some sort of trail run. Um, and so we did, and it was really fun and I did pretty well. And it was one of these things where like, you're just surprised, like, Oh, look, I'm not bad at this thing. 
And uh, it was like, if you played high life for the first time, you're like, look, I'm an incredible high life player. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, uh, and so, yeah. And so then fell in with the trail running crowd here. Um, and, so let you know, me just pause you that. So you, did you kind of, even from that first day, it was kind of clear that you had, you know, you were better than the average person who decided to just jump on the trails. I won a duffel bag my first race. Okay. And so I feel like I, I think I came in third female, my first trail race. And there might have only been three females, but all <laughs> I remember was I got this cool bag <laughs> that I still have. And, uh, yeah, like I just, uh, um, it turned out I had a talent for, you know, running forward, uh, for a long period of time, not super fast, but, you know, kind of maintaining <laughs> for a long period of time. So, mm-hmm. And uh, what was the trail aspect part of that? Did you enjoy the fact that it wasn't on roads and kind of the same flat terrain? I I enjoyed I enjoyed that for sure, but I really enjoyed the community. I kind of way uh, came away from the road running um, scene, the marathon scene, with a little bit of a bad taste. Just you know, the whole like people always asking you, you know, how fast you ran or how fast you're planning to run and what are you wearing when you run? So that bothered that. you even, you know, pretty much straight away? Um, I don't think right off the bat, cause I didn't know any better, you mm-hmm. know, but then over time it was just kind of, you know, that whole pigeonhole, like, Oh, you're this kind of a human because you run this fast was not enjoyable. And that's just not the trail running scene, um, at all because it's so hard to compare one race to the next. Um, and then it's just a different, you know, it's just a different feel in general. And I really enjoyed that. Yeah. And, you know, you said, you said you kind of finished third in that, in that race, you went on to, to win some, some of the biggest races out there, uh, winning Leadville, uh, Rocky Raccoon 100, Havelina 100. Um, uh, and then you were the U S 100 K champion, which year was that? I don't know, somewhere around maybe 2009, 2010, somewhere in there. Okay. And how long after you started trail running was that? Um, not very long after I think I, I think 2008-ish. I'm an awful historian. Um, <laughs> if I get this wrong, it's not intentionally. I, yeah, around 2008, 2009 is kind of when I started. Okay. Okay. And so how did you handle that with um, kind of coming into this world? Like maybe you said the trail running community is better um, in that maybe there's not so much pressure and, and focus on time and performance, but how did you kind of handle that going in and then just suddenly being at the top? How did you deal with the expectations and the kind of, or did you feel any expectations of people kind of, wow, I've won these big races. Um, now I've got got to keep, keep myself there. Right. Um, I had my son, um, my first child right before I started trail running. Okay. And so I was pretty much just a disaster those early years. And so like, like I wasn't sleeping, my house was a mess. Things were insane. Like I, like I didn't really have any, um, I don't have any family around here to help out. And so I was just a disaster. And so the good part of that was like, I didn't feel any sort of pressure (laughs) like doing well and racing was simply just a positive thing. Like Mm -hmm. it was like, Oh look, there's one thing I'm good at (laughs) and they're giving me like little presents. Um, So let me get the timeline for this. So you, you started trail running and then had, did you have any kids at that point? No. So my son was born in 2007. And so I think I started like 2008. Okay. And, and, and was that, do you think any part of that to kind of find yourself again to kind of get back out there and, and, you know, be it separate from a parent, uh, from a mother. 
Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. It was to keep my sanity a hundred percent. And, you know, just like my husband would come home from work and my son was super colicky. And so he had been screaming all day long and I would just hand the baby to my husband and be like, I've, I've got to go out. <laughs> and so initially I just walk and then that kind of turned into running. And then that, and then I fell in with the running crowd and I was like, I'll be back in four hours. <laughs> Or maybe five. <laughs> well, I feel like um, that is actually becoming more and more of a thing that that mothers should be encouraged to do: get out there and and even if it does mean yeah, handing off to the husband. And you feel you know, as a woman, we're probably going to feel a little bit guilty about leaving them with, which is quite funny, their dad or their grandparents or someone. Um, but kind of getting over that and and realizing that it's this is a good thing. You need it to be a better person. You need it to, to be happier. And, um, and so, you know, from there you, you went on, started running and, and, um, tell us about, you know, your second child that was, oh, I guess we can talk about that in a minute. I want to, before we go into that, you were training for some of these races on a two mile loop, 2.1 mile loop, you know, these hundred mile races, Many people would think you you would you know you say you go out for four hours you might be out there for uh, you might be out there on a, a thirty mile loop or you might be out there on a, at least a ten fifteen twenty mile loop so why stick to a two point one mile loop for a lot of it Oh, it's just convenience. Like I mean, I think it's you know like babysitters are expensive, <laughs> you know, like I can, there's this loop outside my house and I can, you know, go outside and check back in on the kids. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's convenience. It's certainly not because I, you know, prefer that. Like, <laughs> like But how did you keep going? Like for me, I feel like I just would reach, I mean, maybe it's just different kind of people, personalities, but I feel like for me, it would, I would reach a point where I was like, I just don't know if I'm getting anything out of this enough because of the the shortness of the loop you didn't did you struggle with kind of keeping going every time you went past your house being like I'm just going to call it quits there I mean for sure but it's yes and no because I think that the reward of like hey if I do this work or you know do this boring thing then I get to have all this fun you know Mm -hmm. like I'm able to go out and do a big race or hang out with my friends and run long with them because I'm fit enough to do that um and so that was you know definitely a carrot And then also, you know, like it still is this, this freedom, right? Like, you know, yeah, it's not like two mile loops or treadmill running or whatever. It's not pleasurable, but it is this alone time, you know? And, uh, I think I really struggled with having kids and constantly being on and being in demand, (laughs) you know, so it is this time where it's just, yeah, it's loops, but you're by yourself, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, nobody's watching you. And, and you, you mentioned the treadmill there, having you having done up to 40 miles, which I I mean, I can't even, I can't even understand how that's physically possible, but running up to 40 miles on a treadmill. I mean, you said the alone time, uh, did you still get the alone time with that or were the kids kind of coming over and that was harder, right? Yeah. Cause they could find me (laughs) or get to me. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's kind of like desperate times called for desperate measures. And I, I just didn't really know another way to make it happen. And I really did love, I just loved the racing and the running with the friends. And so it was, it was a means to an end that it was okay at the time. I could not do that now. I mean, I think everyone has a certain number of treadmill miles in them. Um, and I've reached mine like there's, I can't, I think I reached mine like day three. 
<laughs> well, no, I mean, there's this point, right? Like you have to get over this hump of like thinking about like just killing yourself <laughs> when you're on a treadmill. Like, and then once you pass that hump, like many miles are possible. Uh, but yeah. But you've kind of reached your limit now. But how much do you think that helped you with the mental toughness that you would have got out of, um, you know, especially the treadmill aspect, but the two mile loop too, just knowing that, you know, it wasn't, you didn't have things to distract yourself, you know, beautiful scenery to look at or the treadmill, especially you've got the number right there in front of you, um, you know, blinking at you. Uh, do you think that helped you in your races? Oh, sure. I mean, because the races are so much more fun, like as, as hard, horrible or whatever the low point is, it's still nicer than a treadmill in the garage (laughs) or like the, you know, 42nd loop of your neighborhood. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I could see that being the case, but I mean, I really do admire you for for doing those, and and maybe you have hit your wall, but you've made it you've made it a very long way with doing that. All right, so talking about kind of more more recent times, you know, you would squeeze in your training between work errands, you know, kids helping them with the homework, uh, taking them to activities. Uh, you homeschooled one of them, is that correct? For a little while, okay. for a little while, and then he wants me back with with his buddies, and so I was happy to give up that job. Uh, like, okay. On your so way. What was the reason for for doing that with with one? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah, no, for sure. He, you know, he was going into seventh grade, and I just felt like middle school was this hard time, um, and I wanted to. He was he's young for the grade, and so I wanted to kind of keep him home a little bit more and uh, and spend some more time. I kind of felt like it was my last time mm. to be for him to be my little boy and uh, me to be his mom. And, uh, and it was really wonderful, but he, you know, for the time that it was, and then it turned out like his little buddies were all in this one little small school and a space opened up and I was like, I feel okay about this little small school. Okay. But even, you know, you had that or you didn't have that. You still also had your work as the national outdoor leadership school, you know, for someone listening, who's hearing all those things, um, you know, training, you've got work, you've got errands, you've got kids, you've got uh, homework you've got activities especially being the mother as the well I don't know in your house but in in most houses the mother tends to be the one driving the kids to the activities how did you find time for that how did you find the energy for that because just being a parent in a lot of ways or just having lots of things going on is exhausting so how did you fit in the the mental space to actually to be able to keep going with all those not well Tina not well. <laughs> I mean, I think that, you know, something has to give. And I think when people are, you know, I work to earn money. So it's, you know, I love teaching um, for Knowles um, and I love coaching, uh, but for, you know, like I also need to do those things. And so that, that has to happen. And, and so the things that have given in my life is like, my yard's a disaster. (laughs) We're we're the worst yard in the neighborhood. Like I've angled the computer here so you cannot see the rest of my house. Like that's a mess. Um, you know, I'm a mess. Like, so like things, you know, so I think you, you make your peace with the things that really kind of are not as important. Um, you kind of, you know, like figuring out what, what those things are. Um, and, and it's hard to give them up, but I think like you just make your peace with like, Oh, these are the things that I I need to do and I want to do. And so I'm going to do those things. And then a lot of other stuff is not going to happen. And I just have to be okay with that. And I think like, this is a hard process of letting go. Um, and you know, a good one (laughs) Kids are good for that. Yeah. Oh yeah. But you've, you know, uh, did you did you reach days where the training aspect was ever kind of 
I just I just don't have the energy to do this or you know were you was that always some kind of a bright light for you like you said that alone time that you looked forward to for me, running really helps um, my moods. Um, and so when I don't run, um, I can get pretty low. And so that's always the motivator. And so I figured out how to how to make that happen and kind of built everything else around that. Like I I am a you know better mom and, and better spouse um, and just nicer human <laughs> if I go out and run. And so it's a, it's a selfish thing. It makes me happy, but it, it's really important that I do it for everybody else who's around me. And so, um, and so that's what makes it, but yeah, for sure. Like, and so how would you get yourself out the door on those days? Um, I think having, for me, having that race on the, on the yeah. calendar and knowing like, if I don't do this, like, you know, bad things are going to happen at the race mm-hmm. and, you know, and then I have to deal with people asking me what happened, what happened to you, <laughs> you know? And so that, that usually gets me out the door for sure. And then, yeah, I think this biggest thing, yeah, having it, having it on the calendar. And so just you make them big, big races, like, you know, you, you, would you make it like a Leadville, like a Rocky Raccoon, Javelina, yeah. like something that is recognizable, um, that, you know, you kind of almost can't hide from. Is that is that what you would specifically do? Pick the big yeah, ones? for sure. Okay. And then for and then for big long runs, just setting myself up for, for success by finding some you know folks who are going to go running, and then you know saying that I'll meet them. Yeah, definitely makes makes a massive difference. Now we all struggle in this social media day and age with kind of seeing others with these perfect looking lives. The people. Um, you know, particularly you being um, at, at a high level, seeing others who are able to train whenever, wherever they can spend, however long they want on whatever loops they want. They can drive an hour to get to a, to a loop, but you, you couldn't, you couldn't really do that. You know, you had, they had these two kids, you had your jobs. How did you let that go um, to where you were able to kind of stop looking at everyone else? Because it's so easy to do, especially with social media. Um, and stay in your own lane and, and just kind of be grateful for what you did have. <laughs> Sometimes I would vent post, <laughs> you would see some like beautiful mountain run that somebody's doing. I'd be like, here's my dark street. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. And I, and I would, um, I limited looking at stuff, you know, I got off Facebook for a little while because I, like, I never come away from that feeling great about myself. <laughs> I'm always like, <laughs> my life. It's horrible. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, uh, and same, and same with Instagram and Twitter. Like I took that off the phone for a while. And so, you know, just limiting it that way. And then, you know, um, it is what it is. I think it doesn't bother me so much anymore. And I think, um, maybe I've just gotten used to running in this horrible place. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, like I think I, I am really happy with my life and all the other aspects of it that make it that I have to live mm-hmm. and run here. And so it's okay. And then I have fun things, you know, that, that, that are coming up that I can look forward to. So it's okay. Thank you to Ultra for sponsoring me and supporting me through this year of pregnancy. I could not be happier, could not be more proud to be working with a brand who genuinely want the whole woman to succeed. They don't just care about performance. In fact, they have no pressure on me whatsoever to even race at all this year. No goals. And they're allowing me to kind of do what I want to do to 
They know that I give value. They know that I want to help and they, I want to be part of this change. And so they are giving me the freedom to do that. So thank you to Ultra for supporting me, for supporting all the women out there by what you have done, by supporting me and Alicia. I really just do feel so passionately about them. And even if you're not a woman listening, you must have a, a wife, a sister, a daughter, a, a niece, someone in your life who who matters and, and will know how much this means that this brand is taking a stand in this way. So thank you to Ultra. Now, what do you get out of Ultra? You can enter to win a free pair of shoes every month for the rest of the year. If you enter this this month or this day in March, you will get to enter not only the March giveaway, but the giveaway for every month and the rest of the year. So if you go to tinamuir.com forward slash Ultra, that's A-L-T-R-A, tinamuir.com forward slash Ultra, you can be one of the entrants for, uh, for each month. If you don't win this month, you can enter to win next month and you don't have to redo it. I will just put you straight in there. So go to tinamuir.com forward slash ultra. I'm afraid it is US only and you will be able to enter to win a free pair of shoes of your choice from the Ultra website. So go there now, go do it. You will love their shoes as much as I do. And once you get in those wide toe boxes, you will struggle to go back in any other kind of shoes. They are magic. I love them, even love them before this year. You should know that. Go check them out, ultrarunning.com. It doesn't bother me so much anymore. And I think um, maybe I've just gotten used to running in this horrible place. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, like I think I, I am really happy with my life and all the other aspects of it that make it that I have to live mm-hmm. and run here. And so it's okay. And then I have fun things, you know, that, that, that are coming up that I can look forward to. So it's okay. And what would you say to someone then who is maybe in a similar situation? Maybe they do do all their runs in the dark before anyone sees around the same short loop or they um, have to do all their runs on the treadmill because they have three kids and that's the only way of doing it. But then they do see other people on social media or they do um, hear friends talking about this like epic run that they did in the mountains. Like what would your advice be to them to kind of, I guess maybe look at other things that they do have that maybe those friends wouldn't or what are some other things you would suggest for them? I mean, I think fundamentally you have to, like I said, make your peace with it. Like it does suck. Like it would be more fun to run in the mountains. Um, and I think so to, to pretend that that's not the case isn't useful. Um, and I think finding things to look forward to like times that you can do that. I think that it is useful to like examine, like, why are you, you know, running where you run, um, is, are there ways to change that? Or, or is this what you have to do? Maybe looking at the endpoints of it, like, yeah, you know what, for the next four years, <laughs> this is my life. But then after that, you know, things can change. Sometimes that's helpful when you have that, that end point there. And I think though, that, you know, the reminder too, that what people are posting is not, not real life, you know, um, and, uh, you, I, I coach a bunch now too. And people are always like, I need to run more. Should I be running? So-and-so's doing 9 million miles a week and you know all this. And you're like, it's because people don't post mm-hmm. who are running smaller miles. And so I do like, I really do. I kept a blog for a long time and I'm trying to get back to it where I would just kind of post my disaster life and write about that. 
just to so like the bar was set really low for folks. So they'd be like, you know, readers would be like, well, God, if she's managing anything with, with all the crap that she's got going on, then I too can do that. And I kind of feel like I need to post more like ugly looking runs. I think that's really useful to people. It makes them happy. It makes them feel like, oh yeah, like I look better Absolutely. than that. Yeah. Although it, it, I mean, and I agree absolutely that, um, you know, seeing people's other people that someone looks up to struggling and saying, Hey, I don't have it all together, even though you may think I do, um, is helpful. But does any part of you think that then if you did do that, people would be like, well, she's got all this going for her and she still manages to get out there, but I can't even, you know, I can't even do it. And I haven't even got kids. I just, and I'm not, I'm not blaming you or saying that in any way, yeah, but yeah. Like, that's, you know, something that I've kind of been careful with at times because, you know, I would try and put something out there on social media saying, I, you know, everyone has all these setbacks and, but you can get through it. Cause look what I was able to do. But then sometimes I feel like that almost makes people feel like, Oh, well, I didn't, I had way less going on than that. And I still didn't get out there. Or there are a lot of people who do struggle to even just get out the door. So any thoughts on that? Yeah, no, it's a good question. I mean, it's not like, I'll address the out the door one. I think it really is like, Hey, commit to five minutes. Like just open that door. You're going for five minutes. Um, more often than not, that five minutes will extend once you just get out the door. But I think like just saying it's just five minutes, that's helpful. I think setting a time every day that you're going to do that for most people is helpful. And just saying like, if it doesn't happen at that time, it's not happening that day. Um, and then you can try again tomorrow. I think that that's useful rather than having something hang over your head all day. I think that's, that wears you down and yep. um, sets you up for failure. I think, I think being happy in your mess and kind of um, putting that out in the world yep. Um, yep. can be inspiring. Like, and to, 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 you know, to make yourself vulnerable and share like all the, you know, like your, your mess. Right. But the, to, to share your joy in that can be inspiring to people in that they'll like go out the door. Like, yeah, like maybe I'm not doing as much as this person and I'm not as fast as this person. Um, and I could never do like, you know, like the, the doctor, surgeon, mountain climber, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> who on the side baked bread kind of deal. Like I can't ever be anything like that, but look how joyful they are. And they seem, you know, I would like to be that too. And so I think just putting out yeah. happiness is contagious. Okay. Absolutely. That makes sense. Okay. So I want to talk to you about something that, um, I haven't actually covered on this show yet really. Um, but, um, last year, uh, Sophie power, or maybe it was 2018, 19 or 18, um, got a lot of attention for, um, breastfeeding during her, her race. And that photo went viral, you know, really kind of got some conversations going, um, now you yourself pumped three times during, um, the Umstead 100 in 2014, um, after your second child and you still set the course record. So firstly, tell us about that experience as a whole, you know, uh, running as a mother, you know, while maybe not breastfeeding as such, but you know, you've still got the milk being made that the, them enlarging and everything like that. So tell us about how that race kind of went down and what your mindset was going into that race? Like, what was that all about? Well, I'll tell you what, I have a funny series of race pictures from Rocky Raccoon, um, like, cause that's a, a five 20 mile loops 
where each each loop I look bustier and bustier. <laughs> I'm going. I, I, three, I look quite good. Um, you know, it's funny with the um, with the nursing during during a race, um, whether you're stopping to actually feed the baby or like pumping. People think of it as like this great feat, and it's just something that has to be done. Like there's nothing, you know what I mean? It's like, you don't have an option. Well, and even um, for yourself, the pain, the pain, if you, if you let it yeah, go too long. This <laughs> <laughs> is not good. Um, and it's, you know, it was interesting at Umstead actually, because it was a forced rest. And I actually think like dropping my heart rate down and, and then starting up again was pretty useful. Um, mm. my, my, um, MO is usually to go really hard and kind of fall apart and the drag across the finish line. And I think it like set me up for being able to run better later on in the race. So you decided beforehand you were going to stop at those points? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I had to, like, the you know, it was going to take, you know, too long for me not to. And so, uh, so my, my good friend commandeered a bathroom, <laughs> this, this outhouse building. And so, uh, like she would, when she knew I was going to be coming, she would make sure nobody was in there. <laughs> so I'd like wheel in. And, uh, the first, the first time I did it with my son, like my husband brought the baby to the race and, you know, that's like a super stressful because you've got to get the baby interested. And he was not having it. Um, and so that was like, like, come on, I gotta go. Um, but so at Umstead, I actually had a breast pump and so much easier. Um, and so, yeah, so like, yeah, it's not, it it sounds super, you know, like, Ooh, that's, that's amazing. And it's just not, you like sit down, you get rid of, get rid of a load and then you continue on. And did you, did you feel at the time, you know, back in 2014 before kind of, more of these conversations kind of came out. Did any, anyone make you feel like you were being judged for that, for, for doing that? No, not at all. Okay. I, I only got, yeah, I think all of the attention was very positive. Um, and, uh, which was really nice because again, it was like not some great feat and to be praised for it was fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like, oh, well, thanks. <laughs> yeah. It was like pr- somebody praising you for going to the bathroom. You're like, well, thank you. <laughs> and, w- and what would you say to people who kind of have, you know, when, when Sophie kind of talked about this last year, um, you know, there were some people who were out there saying, you know, I, I don't know if that's good to be racing, um, that soon. Like, shouldn't you be focusing on your child? Like, what would you say to those people? I mean, just mind your own business. I can't. <laughs> yeah. There's no, there's, there's nothing saying that that's going to interfere with, um, you know, taking care of your child. Mm-hmm. And I think for most for most women. Yeah. For most humans, like exercising is good. It's going to make you do all the things that you do better. Um, and so, yeah, unless there's some evidence that, you know, the person's like locking their kid in the car, (laughs) going for runs, like, yeah, just mind your own business. Okay. All right. Thank you. And then what about motivation when you, when you had young children, when you had those sleepless nights, um, you know, we're kind of, I'm bouncing around with the timeline a bit here, but, um, you know, how did you, how did you stay, stay motivated or keep your energy up to, to get yourself out the door when, um, you were, you know, exhausted from just being a a new mom? Again, it was this fun thing for me. Like it was, so the motivation was there because it was fun. And because, especially with my son, 
he was so grumpy all the time. It was this freedom. I read this neat article um, just recently that talked about how a lot of times we think about ultra running for men is this, or when we talk about ultra running as, um, you know, we don't experience pain in our daily lives or suffering. And this is this kind of way to, to go back and, and do that and feel, um, and, you know, kind of get the boost from that to appreciate what we have in life. Yep. Um, yep. And this article was pointing out that for women that it might be more of a freedom, you know, that their daily lives often, oftentimes with young children feel very confined. And so ultra running is this sense of freedom. And for me, that would definitely was the case. And that was the first time I'd ever, um, you know, seen it described differently. And I think, you know, certainly for both sexes, it can, it can be that, but it seems like when you are with young children, the freedom aspect of it is, is pretty big. And have you found that with other friends who have been mothers that they've kind of said the same thing? Yeah. The freedom. Yeah, for okay. sure. Okay. And so do you, I mean, obviously it's each to their own, but do you tend to run with music? You said you like podcasts. Um, how, what is your kind of ratio of time to think to, to listening to things? I use, I tend to listen a lot actually, um, into podcasts, not music. Um, I, since I am with the kids a lot and since I'm then home working a lot, I don't get to talk to adults very much. So I feel like it's my adult interaction, sadly. Um, so a lot of running stuff and a lot of political stuff. Okay. So you, you, would you say most runs you're listening the whole way? Yeah, for sure. Okay. All right. That makes sense. And I think you've kind of earned that if you are going to be treadmill or keeping shorter loops, although maybe now by you're kind of expanding out to where you can go further. Um, so originally you and I were going to talk before California International Marathon. Um, you know, you originally were put on a list. I don't know if you know this, um, of people who were going to, to, who were shooting for an Olympic trials qualifier. Was that originally the goal for California? Yeah, for sure. Okay. All right. So, um, you know, but then when I emailed you a few weeks, maybe a month before, you kind of said it was going to take roller skates to um, run an Olympic Charles qualifier. And so, a strong tailwind, I and think. a strong tailwind, <laughs> is that what you said? <laughs> um, so tell us about, about that aspect. You know, having been successful, having won these big races, having been able to kind of, you know, tell your body, I want to go do this and then and do these big goals. And then kind of coming to the realization like, okay, um, I don't know if this is going to happen. This, you know, really is kind of looking out of the question for me. How did you, you mentally deal with that, um, knowing that you couldn't kind of force your way into it? You know, it wasn't that big a deal. It really just felt like, oh, I just need more time, you know, um, and so... And so that's okay. Um, and so I was really fine with the process of it because I was getting faster and faster. And so it felt like, yeah, I'm doing what I need to do. I'm just not going to be ready for this particular goal. And then also I had just more work, um, and, and I was slower at it than I thought I would be with just outside of running. And so I just didn't have the energy necessary to run as fast as I, as I, you know, to train as hard as I needed to. And so, (laughs) so yeah, so it was kind of like, it was frustrating to, you know, fly to California and spend money on a hotel. And and I really thought about like, do I even want to go do this thing? Because I can't, you know, do what my goal was. I was like, no, it's all good experience. And I already paid. (laughs) So I might as well go. But then, yeah. So there's the Canadian Liza Howard, um, (laughs) who did very well that day. And so like, yeah, I had my worst race I mean, I think that was my worst marathon ever. And, uh, it was just horrible. Like I just totally fell apart. I don't know why. Uh, but it was at mile 13 
Mm. And, uh, and then I like just dragged on and somebody, I saw somebody and they were like, are you going to drop? And I was like, where would I go? Like, yeah. <laughs> I gotta get to the end. My phone's there. And, uh, and so I like, I couldn't even people, I couldn't even run harder the last mile, like just to get it over. Like, I have no idea what was going on. I think I had this virus or whatever. Oh. Anyway. So, so then, yeah. So I finished and I finally get my phone, which is a disaster. Like, I don't know if you saw people trying to get their drop bags at the end of that race, but it was like people trying to get on a bus in India. It was insane. No, I didn't see that far. So, like, anyway, so finally I got my phone and it's just like, oh, these messages. Congratulations. Yeah. Sorry, that was me. <laughs> That's wonderful. And I was like, thanks. It's, and then I realized, like, it slowly came. I was like, oh, Canadian Liza Howard. Because I'd realized the night before that and she, like, she had a good race. And so then I just did a lot of cutting and pasting of, like, American Liza Howard, zero. Canadian <laughs> Liza Howard, one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'm sorry I was one of those people as well. No, and, no. And I, I remember like, seeing her time and thinking, like, you said you needed roller skates. Look <laughs> at you now. You're, like, 10 minutes under the time. Um, it was bittersweet. I didn't really care, but at the same time, like I was like, all right, so in the all right. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. That was, uh, uh no, wait, no I, I, like what was nice was like all these nice people were emailing me out of, or like texting me out of the blue. Like, congrats. I was like, I didn't even know you were like, we were still friends. That's great. <laughs> Although hopefully you're not referring to me there before we, no, before, we start, no. <laughs> before we start talking. Um, okay. So you know, learning from that, um, you are 46 now, 47, 47? no, I'm 47, 47. Okay. I'm 40. Hold on. Wait, I think I might be 48. Yeah, I'm 48. Okay. <laughs> well, that's a good thing. I'm 45 is like, eh, until you hit 50. Mm. Age is not just number, as they say. So, uh, you, you know, get going into this, even you said that you kind of were at peace with it essentially, but in many ways, that's so courageous and, and, and amazing that you, that was even in your in your world to be kind of going for an Olympic trials qualifier as you are closing in on 50. So what would you like to tell the women or the men out there who are maybe in their 40s or 50s or whatever beyond? And they're thinking, you know, all these kind of doors are closing on me. I, you know, I can't even think about things like that because I'm too old. What would you like to say to those people? I would say that that's not a useful mindset. Um, I think that, I think of course you get slower as you age, but that unless you were an elite runner early on, you don't really know how close, like, you know, so like, yeah, our potential decreases as we age, but how close are we to that potential? Like how much space is there still to improve? Like if you never got anywhere near your potential, right. Because you weren't um, an elite runner, then like, it seems like there's still this possibility to improve. And I think that, you know, there are women in their fifties who did Olympic trial qualifier times who have done that. And so there's no reason not to think, to, to think that you're not one of those people. Um, I, you know, like it shouldn't be something that consumes you getting faster. Like, you know, I, I would hope that by the time you're 50, like you have made your peace with like, what's really important in life. Uh, but at the same time, I think that just like it's been hard for me. And I started writing this article series about, about running potential as you age, because it seems like all we hear about is, uh, making peace with I'm older, I'm slower. This is how my running's changed, you know, and all that. And because that's mostly what you hear, I, like, it's hard to let go of that. Like I find mm -hmm. myself, like I'll have a bad run. I'll be like, Oh, well, it's because yeah, it's kind <laughs> it's of 
older now. Yeah. And so, you know, we'll see people pop up who do, you know, who are running really well and they're, you know, they're these outliers. And so like, I, you know, cut them out, put them on the refrigerator. And so that's what I'm reminded of that it's, it's possible. And so, yeah, being fast is not important in and of itself, but I think that trying to get the most out of your body is a, is a useful process um, and that there's no reason that you should give up on that if, if it's useful to you. Thank you to Body Health for sponsoring this episode of the Running For A Podcast and for supporting me for all these years. You have heard me talking about Body Health Perfect Amino for probably five years now and there is a reason for that. I truly believe in this company and Perfect Amino and what it does. And I have to say, recently when I was at the California International Marathon, there was a ton of you that came up to me and said how you had heard me talking about it all these years, probably pestering you, but you've decided to give it a go and you were kind of shocked by the difference it made and how much better you feel. There were so many people that said that to me in person and it was just so nice to hear in addition to those of you who reach out to me. So if you are listening to this and you've been hearing me talking about it and you're wondering, I don't get it. Like, how does it work? Like, what does, what does it do that's so special? Well, I just want to kind of explain again, as it's been a little while since I've said this. So we all know that we need um, amino acids. They help with recovery. They kind of build our body up. You know, we're breaking them down with training and amino acids are what you need to to build it back up. But what we don't often talk about or hear about is that only up to 48% of the food that we take in in these protein sources is actually able to be uh, used, utilized, I should say. Uh, The rest of it is converted to waste. So that's things like eggs are 48% of them are utilized, meat, poultry, and fish, 32 two percent of it our body can utilize and turn into these amino acids however body health 99 percent of it is utilized by the body only one percent has to be kind of removed and uh, taken out as waste which means that your body can get what it needs it can help you to recover I've really seen the difference in myself as I've said so many times as an elite runner I trained using this I really noticed the difference when I missed it for a few days and now I take it just to kind of help my body recover with all the other things I'm throwing at it so it really helps with that too it contains the eight essential amino acid the body needs to support and maintain its muscular skeletal enzymatic that's such a hard word to say and hormonal systems. So you've heard me talking about it. So go give it a try. Go to tinamuir.com forward slash aminos. That's A-M-I-N-O-S, tinamuir.com forward slash aminos and go into 2020 right. Come on, let's set you up so that you can succeed and you can recover because if you are healthy and staying healthy, then you are going to have the races that you want. You can you can give yourself the best chance to succeed. So go get some, tinamuir.com forward slash aminos. Yeah, being fast is not important in and of itself, but I think that trying to get the most out of your body is a, is a useful process um, and that there's no reason that you should give up on that if, if it's useful to you, you know? And, and for me, I feel like, yeah, like training really hard and being scared of how of running fast and falling apart and, and all of that is really helpful to me. So, I'm, so I want to keep doing that. Okay. And what things have you found that have kind of helped you to to stay healthy, to be able to get to the start line? Are there some things that you kind of swear by as you've aged? It turns out sleep is important. Really? (laughs) 
Who <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's just like they say, yeah, no. So for sure, um, for, I think that's probably, that's definitely changed as I've, as I've accumulated eight years, just that recognition of like, oh yeah, if I sleep and I'm sleeping at the same time, then I can run better. <laughs> like how many hours would you say you get a night? I'm pretty good these days about getting eight hours of sleep. Okay that I'll, I'll work around that, you know, I'll plan out my day. I'm like, here's the bed, here's the get up time. What else is going to happen? And, um, and, and just give up, like, you know, uh, things aren't going to happen after, you know, nine 30. Sorry. Okay. All right. Um, and then, you know, you're a big advocate for teaching people to be kind themselves. Um, so tell us about why that is important to you. Um, maybe, especially when you are in a situation where you are getting older and and you're maybe still striving to, to get hit some big things, but you know, you know, there's, there's plenty of things that could go wrong or, um, there's ways that your body might say, you know what, I'm not ready for that. Um, how do you, why is that important to you and how do you practice it within your own life? How do you mean being kind to yourself? Exactly. Um, just kind of you know, positive self-talk, kind of letting yourself off the hook, forgiving yourself for mistakes and um, uh, kind of encouraging yourself rather than berating yourself for for bad choices or for things that you've done wrong. Um, I credit my husband. He he is really like, he's changed that for me. You know, mm-hmm. he always says, be kind to yourself. Um, and he means it. And, uh, and I've, I've been able to adopt that. And I think it's just, you know, treating yourself as you treat your good friends, (laughs) um, as far as, you know, sorting the wheat from the chaff kind of deal, um, is really helpful and it allows you to move forward. And I think that, um, I've seen the impact that he has on other people with that attitude, um, towards himself and others. And I want to do that too. I know that it, um, it is empowering to other people, um, when they see you, you know, behaving that way. Yeah. And, uh, what have you kind of noticed within yourself, uh, as you have talked to yourself that way, have you found it's easier to kind of flip a positive, uh, a negative thought into a positive one? Like it takes less time, the more you practice it. I don't know if that's the case. I think that it allows me to go out and do, um, what I want to do regardless of how I'm feeling or, or, or the criticism or, you know, like, you know, so my assessment is like, Oh, like this was crap. And, you know, you did this poorly and this poorly, it allows me to let go of that and just go do what I need to do. Okay. And then, you know, after that race, uh, it didn't go how you, you wanted as, as you mentioned, but you've kind of, you said to me before we started recording that, you know, that wasn't kind of a, Oh, well missed it. Uh, Oh, oh well, I can't run that fast. I'm going to you know, try something else, but you, you are going to have another attempt at it. So tell us about how training has been going, how you've been approaching this one. Um, and, uh, and which one you're going to do. Um, so I'm doing this teeny little one outside of Houston called the USA fit marathon. I don't even know how many people are running it, but it seems flat. Um, and so, uh, it's like two 13.1 mile loops. Um, and so it's on Groundhog's day. So it seems appropriate to go ahead and try again. Um, and, uh, and I think I messed up on my fueling actually. Um, I think that was the biggest thing. And I think I was a little bit sick. Um, and so the training has really been similar, um, to what it was prior, um, to CIM. And so, so that hasn't changed. It's just me being more mindful. I think I just get lazy. I like, I've gotten lazy and I think maybe, 
you know, something has changed where I'm not, I can't be lazy about, about fueling myself. I have to be more rigorous about that. I don't have as much of a, of a safety net. Um, and so, yeah, so, well, so I get to eat more. That's it. Okay. (laughs) Well, that will, that's always going to help. And, uh, I think I'm going to, you've probably heard of it, but generation you can for me, that's the, uh, that's the way forward. But, um, you've obviously got a donut jelly bean kind of. Okay. You're, you're more of a classic sugars. Not that you, you can is not really sugar. The classic, but. yes, I like the tradition. <laughs> um, and probably the ultra and trail world has got you um, used to that kind of well, food as well. Like I don't, you know, so I don't eat garbage in general. But and so I feel like during my runs is this fun time. Like I don't yeah, want to. Then eat. you don't get to enjoy it. You just kind of like I'm shuffling. Totally. I'm like a donut. <laughs> yeah. but, but isn't it just like <laughs> rather than like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't really savor my donuts in real life. <laughs> like, <laughs> start, regardless. Okay. All right. So, um, you know, uh, moving into to twenty twenty, um, you know, that's that's one goal that we've got here. Um, and uh, tell us about some other things that you you have on the agenda of what you would like to do, and and maybe even beyond twenty twenty. Do you have any any goals over the coming years? Um, I'm going to run a uh, hundred. I haven't run a hundred in, in, I think two years now. Um, I'm going to do the Florida Keys, um, 100, um, and, uh, to try and get ready to run Badwater, um, next year. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's my big plan. Um, and then, um, I run a nonprofit called Band of Runners. And so we put on an annual trail running camp for veterans. We bring 30 veterans in um, and uh, introduce them to the trail running community and trail running skills. Um, and I get to bring folks from all over the United States and Canada to, to help out with that. And so that takes up a huge amount of my year, strangely, since it's just one camp. So um, I'd love to hear more about that. So you, you find veterans all across the country um, and you, you know pay for them to come over and and just kind of this um you know to give them something to to work towards a a hobby to have to kind of bring life back together these people who have recently kind of come back or how do you select Um, these people it it yeah it really varies it's kind of a it's a funny kind of hard sell because we're looking for folks well, I mean, the trail running community is, is wonderful and so inclusive and running in nature is wonderful. Um, and so we want to share that, um, with veterans who might be struggling to find community, um, or connection within the, within the community. Um, and so it, so it's a kind of a funny ask for like, Hey, do you not have friends <laughs> or are you not connecting with them? Um, do you want to get, you know, have you lost so your How fitness? do you find them? Do you, do you ask them questions or how do you? How do you kind of get that? Um, it's a lot of, it's a lot of word of mouth. And so this will be the eighth year of our camp. Um, and so, you know, people come and they have an exceptional experience. And so then they, they kind of go out and, and talk about that with their friends, um, and family. And so that brings a lot of people in. And then we have, um, links to organizations like team red, white, and blue and different veterans groups and things like that. Okay. And, and was this your idea? Where did this kind of come from? Yeah, I, um, I was on a run and I was listening to a podcast. Um, and, uh, I was listening to a podcast with the fellow who founded team red, white, and blue, which, um, tries to improve veterans lives by connecting to them, to their communities through physical and social activity. And I was like, I do physical activity <laughs> and I come from a military family. Um, and so I, I paused my run and I emailed this guy and, uh, he said, yeah, you know, like love to have you involved. What do you want to do? And I was like, Oh, wow. 
I don't know. Um, and so I thought a running camp would be great because you could kind of take, um, the experience people have on, uh, these wilderness expeditions that I had been leading and compress it into, Mm -hmm. you know, just a few days. Um, and then the, you know, the running community, it's already set up. Like there are all these local running groups, you know, that you can connect people to, there are these races. So it just seems like, Oh, well, we should definitely do this. Um, and so, and they had deep pockets and so they were like, yeah, make it happen. And so great. Uh, and it was just a matter of like, I just got to invite all my running friends, um, to, to be mentors at this camp. And the whole idea was to take people out on runs and teach them how, you know, we had traditionally learned like just conversations on long runs. Um, but knowing that like, if we were going to do something for three days, we couldn't just run people for three days, um, without, (laughs) without destroying them. And so, you know, figuring out like, okay, well, we'll run for an hour, an hour and a half and conversations will happen. And, you know, there'll be these teachable moments, but then we'll stop and we'll do some, you know, more didactic type classes. Um, And it's, yeah, it's been really, um, wonderful. And I think everybody there like running has, um, changed their life in an important way. So maybe they struggle with depression personally, or they have social anxiety issues or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and so it's this means to share that, um, with, uh, to be of service to this group who has been, um, of great service to us. And so people feel, you know, I mean, running is such a selfish thing or people feel selfish a lot of times. And so this is this very straightforward way to feel like, Oh, look, but it's, it's useful. <laughs> like I can make this useful to other people. So, yeah. yeah. And can you share maybe a story with us? You don't have to say a name of someone, like how it's changed someone's life or how it's, you know, really made a difference for them. I think for a large majority of the folks who come, the, the change that happens is just feeling part of this really accepting community mm-hmm. uh, that it will meet them where they are and is not asking anything of them um, and is ready to is, is set to go running with them or, or, you know, volunteer to race with them. And, and I think just feeling, you know, like everyone wants to feel part of something. And I feel like this is just this easy family to feel part of. Um, and so, so yeah, so we'll be doing again this November, November 9th through 12th here in the Hill country in South Texas. And so if you're a veteran and you want to come contact me and, uh, and it is free. Okay. Cool. And I will put links in the show notes for um, anyone listening who wants to also just check it out and and find out more about it. Um, All right. So just kind of wrapping up here, you know, um, the trail running community, the ultra running community has really expanded over the over the recent years, you know, really gaining popularity, really um, kind of the the whole world is starting to open up towards it. And 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 how do you feel, you know, as as a, a master's athlete, you know, you 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 told me before, I'm not sure if we should set it on the show that you want to get, uh, try and get another USA Jersey, which would be very exciting. Um, but you know, how do you feel about the future of the sport about kind of the, the athletes coming up? Um, I know you, you know, know, um, uh, Ellie Greenwood well, um, and I'm sure many others, but like, how do you kind of feel about the, the future of the sport? 
I think that the more people that we have on the trails, the better it is for the trails and the environment. And so I think the more people that are appreciating being out there in, in nature um, is useful um, and will be helpful. So in that um, regard, it's ex- it's exciting. <clears throat> I think it's sad to let go of the the tiny feeling that, that our community has had where everybody kind of knows everybody else and we're all on the same page as far as you know, supporting one another. I think that, you know, as it grows, um, and more people come in who have, um, let less of it or more of a, a hard road racing background, the vibe changes just a little bit. Yeah. Does any part uh, of you worry what you said about kind of the road racing scene, it being about numbers and it being about, uh, sausage categories. Does any of you worry about that kind of coming across? Not really. I mean, I think it's a big enough umbrella to incorporate all of that. There's a, there's still a place, you know, for everybody. And so folks who want to, who enjoy looking at that and that's exciting, like that's fine. There's a good place for that. And there's a, there's still, um, a huge community. And and, I mean, it still is this feeling of like, it doesn't matter how fast you are. Like that's not what's important. You know, you you never know what the terrain or the, the weather or anything could be like. I will say, like, I do think that the more people come in, the more incumbent it is on the folks who've been here a while to share the standard practices, you know? And so (laughs) at this trail camp, we always do this skit, um, where we, um, where we show poor running, uh, uh, behavior. Um, and then we have, uh, the audience yell out, that's not cool. And so things (laughs) like, you know, throwing trash on the trail or like, going the bathroom, you know, near the trail or leaving toilet paper out there or kind of, um, um, yeah, give dis- us, give us these for those of us okay. who don't know. Them. All right. Yeah. So here's the deal. Um, sure. yeah. Uh, fruit does not biodegrade in any sort of fast manner. So you gotta take that all out with you. No orange peels or banana peels on the ground. Okay. Uh, yeah. Clearly we're not dumping trash out there. Um, you, so wait, yeah. for someone listening who thinks, yeah, but food does biodegrade. What's the yes, eventually, but it's not going to be for, in, in, in a lot of locations, it's not going to happen for years. And so if okay. everybody's doing that yeah, same yeah, yeah. thing, then it turns into the seep and it's attracting animals to that site okay. and they become bothersome and blah. Okay. Um, That's one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, if you have to go to the bathroom and there is no bathroom around like urination, no big deal. But if you're pooping out in the woods, you need to make sure that that is not an eyesore. So like, ideally you're digging six inches into the ground, you're pooping in that and covering that up. But if it's, if you can't manage that and it's emergency, make sure that you're away from the trail and it's covered because that's okay. not cool. And if you're going to bring toilet paper with you, you need to take that out with you because that's going to last there and that's going to attract animals and make it just a horrible scene as well. Okay. Uh, so there's that. Um, same deal with tampons. If you're going to have to get rid of a tampon, like bring a little Ziploc baggie so you can put that in there, bring maybe a stuff sack so you can put that in there so you don't have to see it or nobody else has to, has to see that afterwards. But yeah, though you can't just leave those out there cause they'll stay around. Um, and animals will come dig them up if you've left them, if you've, you know, kind of buried them just a little bit. So that's not cool. Um, if you're, um, right, if you're doing a race as a training run, it's not cool at the start line or during the race to tell someone you're running with that this is just a training run mm. for you. That person's rate if that person's running really hard, but that's not cool. Or that you're going to pace with them because you don't want to run too hard. That's not cool. Okay. <laughs> um, 
If you um, are not going to use a pacer during a run for some reason, then that's your business and you don't need to tell anybody else about it um, if they haven't asked you. Um, <laughs> it's not like that's just not cool. Like people use pacers for a whole bunch of reasons um, and you don't know what that is. So, you know, keep keep your <laughs> pacer decision to yeah. yourself. Um, let's see. What are some of the other ones? Oh, just trekking poles. Like you got to be careful with those trekking poles, uh, listening to music. You need to make sure that you can hear what's going on around you. And so, you know, the more wild the area that you're running in, um, the less of a good idea it is to, to not be able to hear what's going on around you. Do most people um, listen to music so, and podcasts while they're running in the trails? Oh, yeah. In the trails? Mm -hmm. hmm. Yeah. And so at least just having like one, uh, earbud in, um, so you can hear, you know, out of the other ear, but you know, if you're really back in a wilderness place, like you, you should be able to hear from both sides of your head, what's going on around you. It's just much safer. Okay. Um, so there's that no playing music out loud. What the heck? Yeah. <laughs> really cops around here. <laughs> like, I don't want to hear your music. <laughs> I know you don't want to hear my podcast. Well, maybe if I was listening to you, Tina, but, oh. <laughs> um, uh, let's see what some of the other ones are. Um, it's really fun because we have all these like rock star runners act these things out and, um, they're acting as pretty poor. Dom Grossman <laughs> usually does the don't poop in the, um, on the trail one. And he has a Snickers bar that he kind of drops out of his pants and then everybody yells, that's not cool. Um, <laughs> so let's that's, see. Well, we'll have to, you'll have to get a video of, of you guys doing that some year. I know we got one this year. Oh, you did? So okay. Well, let's put that in the show notes so people can go watch it. Okay. All right. Um, Liza, I want to thank you for coming on the show today for, for sure. Just sharing your, your uplifting personality for just your optimism, for your wisdom and just for, for being that wonderful person you are. Thank you so much for, for coming to talk to me today and, uh, for getting to know my audience. I'm sure they've loved, uh, getting to know you. Thank you for having me on and thank you for keeping me company on many, many, many runs. Thank I appreciate it. I appreciate that. My friends, if you have a minute and you could leave a review on your favorite podcast player, Apple Podcasts, EA, iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, Pocket Class, Spotify, or whatever else podcast player you use to listen to this podcast. Or if you would subscribe to this podcast, you will help me get out in front of new runners to make our tribe even bigger and even better. It might not seem like you as one person can make a difference, but really it helps a lot. And it shows me you appreciate the hard work I put in for those. Thank you so much. Isn't she awesome? Just such a kind, sweet person. And, you know, she's inspired so many ultra runners out there that we all really look up to. She really is one of those people in the in the ultra running world that just seems to be loved by absolutely everyone. Now, I just want to take a moment to thank You Can Ultra and Body Health for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. You can, you can get 25% off your order by using code TINAMUR25 when you go to generationyoucan.com. Uh, and Ultra, you can enter to win a free pair of shoes of your choice, US only, I'm afraid. Uh, a free pair of shoes of your choice uh, by going to tinamuir.com forward slash ultra. And if you go and do that now, you actually have entrance into the giveaways for each month this year. Ultra is giving away a free pair of shoes. So if you enter now in March, you will get entrance for April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, and December. So it's definitely worth doing. And finally, thank you to Body Health for sponsoring this episode. If you 
go to tinamuircom forward slash aminos, T-I-N-A-M-U-I-R.com forward slash A-M-I-N-O-S. You can get 10% off your entire order, although Perfect Amino is the product that I have been telling you for years that I absolutely love. Now, next week, we are going to be hearing from Margot Mountjoy, who is a researcher. She kind of was the person, one of the people that got the uh, Red S movement going, kind of got the the science going behind it. She's been on so many different uh, research projects and and been one of the the names to watch. Uh, Trent Stellingworth, which you may remember from a previous episode, he was the one that recommended her to me and she's just got so much knowledge. So I'm looking forward to hearing what you think about her next week. My friends, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Running For Real podcast. Be sure to check out tinamuir.com for show notes and even more helpful running information.